Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's podcast, where we seek to help people find and follow Jesus. Please take a minute to subscribe. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Notice the word bless and the theme of blessing in these seven short verses. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Selah, which means, let's just rest and think about that for a moment. That, why? That your ways may be known on earth, <clears throat> your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly, and you guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Blessed is the word of the Lord. Today is not only pastor appreciation, it is pastor and spouse appreciation. Can can you give the spouses a hand this morning? Our pastors carry all of our weight, and their spouses carry all of their weight. They do an amazing work. You know, from personal experience, pastoring is emotionally exhausting. It is mentally challenging and can be physically demanding. You can do an exciting, joyful wedding at 10 o'clock in the morning, and you can do a gut-wrenching infant burial at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Highs and lows and everything in between. Aren't you glad for our pastors this morning? He's already taken, he's already stolen some of my steam. He talked about the demonstration of God. Demonstration is powerful. I know that as, a, as a, an old ex, uh, an ex-industrial arts instructor. And I have in front of me here um, a full cup of water with a little piece of straw sticking out of it. I hope the camera can pick this up. And I'm going to try to defy gravity this morning without touching the water or the cup or the straw and without the process of evaporation, I am going to attempt to lift water out of that cup. Now, how many of you here can believe that I'm going to be able to do that? I thought a few people were going to raise their hands, Pastor Keith. Oh, ye of little faith. Now, some of you here may not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you took your feet out of that bed and hit the floor, you believed that the floor was going to support you. When you turned on the light switch, you believed the lights were going to turn on. When you steered your car this morning to the right, you believed those tires were going to take you to the right. You came to church because you believed this was a fairly safe place. I'm going to make a believer I trust out of all of you. Did you see that? Some of you up close saw it. You might be able to see a little bit of the... You see, I not only lifted the water out of that cup, I vaporized it. So you ladies know how to now mist your houseplants. (laughs) And guys, 
Don't even think gasoline <laughs> in a match. What you just saw was how a carburetor works. Look up the Venturi principle. And interestingly enough, two brothers, Orville and Wilbur, whose father was a bishop, told his two bicycle manufacturing sons, if God meant you to fly, he would have created you with a set of wings. So guess what they did? They designed a wing very much on this same principle. That when air speeds in one direction, in an area, it creates a vacuum. And so they designed a wing and set it on a body, we call them airplanes, where the air at the bottom of the wing, going straight, can reach the back of the wing faster than the air going above the wing. So the, the, the air going above the wing actually creates a lift on the wing. In this atmosphere, big jet engines don't make the, the airplane go up in the air. It just moves it forward. What lifts the plane is the air. The air does all the heavy lifting. It's really almost miraculous. If you've ever been on an airplane, you look and you go, how can this be possible? Now, why do I share this illustration with you? Well, I want you to picture little kids, older toddlers, teenagers, young adults, adults, and even seniors. We all have these indivisible spiritual wings. And God has commissioned all of us to blow fresh air, fresh wind across our wings. Do you want to see a pastor grounded? Don't ever praise him. You see, what happens when a wing doesn't get the air across it? It stops. It stays grounded. I recently read a newly published memoir of a female political figure whose name I will withhold. Some of you would love her, and some of you may not, maybe not so much. And I started reading her book by reading the last page of credits. And the last paragraph of her credits involve her children. She names them um, one at a time, and she says this, you are the four chambers of my heart. You made me a mom, and you make every moment more meaningful, every decision more consequential, and every aspect of my life more colorful and beautiful. This is in hard print for her children to read the rest of their lives. You may, be the, you may be the only four individuals who have ever left me truly speechless. You have endured much and made sacrifices. You are strong, brave, resilient, brilliant, generous, and kind, each charting your own path through adolescence and destined to make this world better and brighter. You are gifts from God who will always have my unconditional support and unshakable love. You know what that mom just did? She just blew across her kids' wings in a wonderful way. I'm just going to touch on the tip of the blessing iceberg this morning. 
You can always look up the scriptures that I'll share and read them on your own. You can always buy books on The Blessing. The one that I'm very familiar with is Gary Smalley and John Trent. They published a book years ago. It's still quite popular. But I'm going to talk to you about four things this morning. Number one, the biblical basis of blessing. Number two, the Jewish tradition of blessing. Number three, what is the blessing anyway? And number four, pointers on how to bless. Let's pray. Father, I'm just so grateful to be here. It's such a great privilege to share from your word. We love your word because it teaches us your ways. And we love this way of blessing. Help us to walk in it. Help us to breathe fresh air on other people, even strangers, Lord. You have blessed us mightily, and Lord, we want to turn around and be a blessing to others. We want to truly live the blessed life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Everybody is always looking for the new and the latest and the greatest. Well, what I'm sharing with you is something that Jeremiah 6.16 talks about. It's called an ancient path. How many of you know that sometimes the ancient things, the old things, are the best? This is an old thing. I think in a lot of ways it's been forgotten. The way of blessing. It works seemingly miraculously, like what I just did this morning. But it's already been predetermined by the Lord to operate spiritually when we do it. It's ancient because it starts at the beginning of time. If you follow me this morning in Genesis chapter 1, God creates all the creatures underwater, and he creates creatures that can fly. We call them birds. And in verse 22, he says, it says, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. Why did he do that? Why didn't he just say, Be fruitful and multiply? My hunch is, is that we'd be pretty horrible at being fruitful and multiplying without that initial blessing. So Adam and Eve get created, and in verse 28 it says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. He has to destroy the earth through a flood because it's so evil, but he saves Noah and his family. And in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, guess what he does? It says he blessed Noah and his sons. And guess what he told them? Be fruitful and multiply, right? In Genesis chapter 12, God promises Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Pastor Keith mentioned it last week. Our God is a generous God, and we ought to be generous. Our God is a blessing God, and we ought to be blessing. Abraham, I'm going to make you great, you're going to, you're, and I'm not going to bless you. Now go be a blessing. In Genesis chapter 14, King Melchizedek, king of Salem, seems to come out of nowhere, and he blesses Abraham. What does Abraham do? He turns around and blesses King Melchizedek with the tithe. Whew! Amen. Can, I, can I just break here for a little testimony time? Pastor Keith had a great message on tithe last, last week. How many of you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I can personally testify. Amen! Amen. My first job was in 1978. I know it sounds like ancient history, 
I was a high school teacher. And that year, I pulled a salary of $8,600, $8,600. Now, if you remove $860 from that, and then you remove what the government takes in FICA and Social Security, you're not dealing with a whole lot. But you know what? When God calls us to obey, it doesn't always make sense to our head. And within a couple of years, being married to a great wife, we had saved up $2,000. And it was right at that time that God says, and he confirmed it with Denise, I was to give that $2,000 to my father because he had loaned me money for college. You know, having $2,000 in the bank is a nice cushion. It was comfortable. And giving that $2,000 was kind of painful. But we knew we were obeying the Lord, you know, within the week. We received a $2,000 check in the mail. And it came from her, from Denise's grandmother, her Polish grandmother. Now, she had never given us money, and she never gave us money after that. Do you think it's coincidence? You know, when you obey God, there is great reward. Four kids and 11 years later, I'm making about $30,000. That was big money for me because I was working summers as well as teaching. And God calls me into full-time ministry in a little town of Mexico, Maine, Mexico and Rumford, Maine. And I took a salary cut down to $10,000. Now, some of you may not know this, but we uh, credential holders, we tithe to our district versus the local church. So that $1,000 that I tithed that year didn't even go to my little fledgling church. Sometimes when God calls you to do things, it doesn't make sense. During that time, I got a $100 gift. It just happened to come across my way one day, and it was nowhere near to pay the bills. And as I received the gift of $100, it seemed like the Lord was telling me to give $50 of it away. And I complained, and I said, why should I give $50? I can't even pay my bills. And God whispered to me, what did you have a minute ago? I'm like, nothing. In the same way, within a couple days, a pastor from the southern New England district that I had never heard of sent me a $500 check. Send to us a $500 check. He didn't tithe to me. He gave me 10 times the amount that I'd been willing to sacrifice. Some of you might be saying, you might still be struggling with this whole issue of tithing. You say, I can't afford to tithe. I tell you, I can't afford not to tithe. It's a daily reminder to me of where that money stream comes from. And you can lose a job just like that. And right there, you'd want to be already cranked up knowing my money stream wasn't coming from that job. It was coming from someone greater. Anyway, a little break in the... Abraham blesses Isaac. Isaac blesses Jacob over Esau, the younger over the older. And Esau cries out with weepings to his father for his own blessing to no avail. How many of you can attest that you've met men that are still looking for their father's affirmation. You don't have to raise your hand. But the good news is, and it's talking especially to the older men, and I'm including myself in it, you don't need to leave them in that condition. You can be the kind of father to that man that's struggling who is never accepted by his son and speak the blessing over them. And you older ladies, you ought to be looking for, for, for girls, for women that are acting more like girls and speak into their lives as well. <clears throat> These are generational blessings. Pronounced literally on the father's deathbed as something of 
crucial and of greatest importance to carry on the family line. Fathers don't have only one blessing. They have thousands of blessings to give to their children, and so do mothers. So in Genesis chapter 32, and I'm almost done through the Old Testament here, haven't covered anywhere near what we should have, Jacob fights with a man, with God himself. And uh, the man finally cries out, <clears throat> please let me go, it's almost daybreak. <laughs> and what does Jacob respond? I will not let you go unless you bless me. Folks, we ought to be looking for the blessing. We ought to be looking and asking God for the blessing, even as Jacob did. And what did God do? He blessed him. He said, you have struggled with God and with man, and I'm going to change your name. It's going to be Israel. Now, the New Testament is filled with Jesus' teachings as well. The, the, the book of Matthew, chapter 5, the Beatitudes, blessed are you, poor in spirit, for you will inherit the kingdom of God. There's rewards to every one of those blessings. Wasn't it Jesus that said, bless those who persecute you? That's a tough thing. It doesn't make sense to our head. Bless those. Speak positively in the lives of those who persecute you. <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 10, 14, the disciples were rebuking the very mothers and fathers that were bringing their children to, um, to have Jesus simply touch their children. And Jesus corrects the disciples and said, hey, let him come to me. And what does Jesus do? It says he takes them in his arms and he touches them and I believe he put his hand on their heads and then he said he blessed them now what was that what did he say we don't know it's not recorded but I'll tell you what something was happening and Jesus beckoned those little kids to come to be blessed by him I'm going to fast forward to the end of the gospel we know that Jesus died he resurrected he showed himself for 40 days and 40 nights and then he ascended into heaven. And this is how they describe the ascension, all right? We're talking um, Luke 24, verse 50, 51. Again, I'm, I'm not speaking. Most of these scriptures, you can look them up on your own, but this one I'll speak. His last physical act, this is Jesus' last physical, well, well, he's still on earth. It says he lifted up his hands and he blessed his disciples, right? And then it reiterates, while he was blessing them, he left them and was taking them to heaven. Do you think blessing is important? Yeah. The New Testament ends that way. Blessing is biblical. Now let's move on to Jewish tradition. There have been questions asked and studies done on why Jews, a relatively small population, are specialized in some of the most skilled and economically profitable occupations. Despite their uh, comprising a small percentage of the world's population, 25% of all Nobel Peace Prize winners since 1901, or about 180 Jews, have been so honored. Now, I could tell you what the studies show, but you know what my hunch is? My hunch is it's called the blessing. I think they, provide, they provided more inventions per capita than any other people group. You know that little flexi straw that you have at home? Thank the Jew. You know the remote control? 
thank the Jew, the flashlight, the shopping cart, and even the Levi Strauss jeans. You see, a little boy and a little girl is blessed throughout his life. It's a, it's a traditional thing <clears throat> at every major stage of life. Now, some of you may not believe that a little kid can pick up stuff in utero, but they can. It's been proven. And these blessings answer serious questions of life. When a mother conceives and news comes out, the father begins to bless that child. And the question that it answers is, am I wanted? Am I welcomed? That's a crucial one. Some of you came here today asking that same question. Am I going to be welcomed here? Is this going to be okay? Is this going to be friendly? Is this going to be... <clears throat> During pregnancy, it answers the question, is there a safe place for me? How many of you know the womb is not always a safe place? By the way, I'm sitting down today not because I hung around the campfire too late last night. It's because so I can read these notes. And the other thing is if I stand, I'll jiggle my change and my keys. And it drives my wife absolutely crazy. <laughs> Pregnancy, is there, a, is there a safe place for me? Birth, will my needs be met? In early childhood... Kids are prayed for. They are blessed. Why? Because they're trying to answer that question, can I trust you? Most of us have heard about the, um, the ceremony called bar mitzvah. And I can't remember what the girls' ceremony is called. but there's, You know what that ceremony is all about? It is calling young boys into manhood. It is calling young girls into womanhood. Up to that point, a parent's been responsible for the child's action. But they come to know on that day, they're going to be responsible for their own action. How does a little boy and a little girl in the United States know that they're a man, know that they're a woman? Is it because they got facial hair? Is it because they start developing? I think we could all attest to the fact there are a lot of hairy men and there are well-developed women that are acting a whole lot more like boys and girls than men and women. Could you agree? And might it might be wise for us to copy our Jewish neighbors and what they've been doing for generations. Our country is suffering from a major identity crisis. Oh, we need, we need the ancient path. We need to set down identity. We need to set, yes, yes, hallelujah. In their teen years, the blessing answers this question, do I have what it takes? Every kid asks it. In adulthood, what am I to do? What is my purpose? And even as a senior, the blessing over seniors is, Answering the question, am I still needed? Am I still needed? That's an important question. If that wasn't enough, there's this thing they call Sabbath that happens every week. And a father will take his hands. Moms will as well sometimes take their hands and put them on the child's head and begin to pray the priestly blessing. On the boys, they pray, may you be like Ephraim and Manasseh. 
For the girls, may you be like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. And they continue, may God bless you and protect you. May God show you his favor and be gracious to you. May God show you kindness and grant you peace. It might not end there. A father might prophesy over his daughter. You are going to marry an incredible man of quality and of character, a loyal man, a faithful man, an incredible provider, one who's going to be a great influencer. You know, when a little girl at six years old starts hearing that kind of word, and she hears it all the way through, who do you suppose she's going to be looking for when she turns 16? Bums, no need to apply. Right? They don't even have a chance. And then they may even whisper something in their ear as to a good thing the parents saw, a moment of bravery, a moment where they held their tongue. And then they end it with a kiss and a hug. Think about getting that weekly. So what is the blessing? (laughs) It isn't a curse. It's the opposite. It isn't flattery. This is a heart-to-heart thing. And there's a lot of ways to bless. Gifts of service, um, time, you know. But the Bible speaks specifically of that verbal blessing. And it's mirrored by action. Now, a dad might be spanking his child. Did I say what I just said? Spank? I'm old school, and I was worthy of spanking. I'm a better man because of spanking. I remember my last spanking. I was 13 years old, and I deserved it. It's not the only way of discipline. You know, I believe if if little boys and girls don't experience a little bit of pain in the rear, they become a pain in the rear for the rest of us. (laughs) That's just my personal opinion. Let me rephrase that. Picture a father disciplining his son and saying, you are a very fine boy, but this kind of behavior is not becoming of you. As opposed to, I'm losing my, uh, you know, you gotta, if my ears start going lower, it's because they're supporting my glasses, they're supporting some, um, some hearing aids, and now a microphone. So... They may be down, but on my neck by the time I get done here. (laughs) Picture that versus a father who's critical about his son's every little misstep and points to him and says, you know, if you keep this up, you're going to be a failure. Think about the power. That little kid walks away. Maybe his bum hurts a little bit, but he's going, I'm a fine boy. I'm a very fine boy. (laughs) So it's verbal. It's backed up by action. It's honoring. It's honoring the person, the personhood. It affirms identity. What did Jesus hear when he was baptized? You are my son, whom I love, and in whom I'm well pleased. It conveys belonging. You belong. You are an important part of this community. I made this up on my own. It's a eulogy ahead of its time. Why in the world do we wait till people die to say nice things about them? Right? I first learned about the power of blessing through Craig Hill and a ministry called Family Foundations International. And I called up my four siblings and I said, uh, my sister and my three brothers, 
I want you to sit down and write on a piece of paper everything good about mom, because at Christmas, after we've opened up all the gifts, we're going to set her down and we're going to speak into her life. I'll tell you what, I got choked up on the first sentence that I had written. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. The sense of sacredness and honor and power that took place, that was the best gift of all the gifts that were open. I'm glad I got a chance to do that to my mom before she passed away. It creates a seemingly miraculous lift in another. It is like pouring nutrient-laden plant food on somebody's heart. It is creating an atmosphere of favor in which a person will exceed their present potential. A lift. A lift. So let's end with the pointers on how to bless. You can bless somebody in a split second when you're walking by them. Or you can do ceremony like bar mitzvah. Or like what, what we did for my mom. Right? You want to speak what the best that you see in them. What did Jesus tell his disciples early on? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, my understanding is they weren't too salty at the time. And they might not have even been bright, let alone light. But you know what? Jesus saw in them salt and light. And frankly, we're all here today having come to believe because their message, they were bright enough and sent enough light out there to eventually get to us. You want to speak to somebody, the things they do well or right. Thirdly, you want to share things that you appreciate about them. Fourthly, you want to speak godly characteristics and qualities that you see in them. Five, meaningful experiences. Go back and reminisce with somebody and relive the moment when they did what they did to you and tell them what happened inside of you because of what they did. Six, the meaning of their names. Books are written. It tells you the origin of the name, the meaning of the name, uh, uh, an appropriate scripture that matches that name. Names are very powerful. We don't make use enough of them in our, uh, in our culture. Seven, you definitely want to speak the things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, whether it be your child or your friend. And don't be afraid to speak even into their future. Know that it's from the Lord, but if you know it's from the Lord, speak it out to them. Speak the desires of your heart. Denise and I took a little considerable time at the stage of our kids' lives when they were young to talk about purity in life. And I took each one of my three daughters and my son aside in a special place. It was all different places. It was secret to each of them. And I spoke to them, my desire as a father, for each one of them to remain pure till they got married. My oldest daughter, in her wedding celebration, gave her chastity ring to her husband. Wow. Power. You can always personalize God's promises. Take a scripture and put the person's name several times through it.
and speak it into their lives. I'm going to invite Jamie and Stephanie this morning. And uh, as they come, I want to close where I began. Psalm 67. Three important words. Graciousness, blessing, and face shine. Grace or being gracious is not just God's goodness and his loving kindness. It is God's enablement. Picture somebody that has it and picture somebody that doesn't. (laughs) To bless means to impart identity, purpose, well-being, and favor. Picture somebody that doesn't have that and somebody that does. Face shining means to actually experience the manifest presence of God. The tangible, I mean, where you can feel him. Picture somebody that has it and somebody that doesn't. It's fascinating how the Great Commission has all three. Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me, therefore I give it to you, go. He then blesses them and says, as my disciples, you go make disciples. And then if that wasn't enough, he face shines them and says, surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Now God has tremendously blessed us. So you go out there and be a blessing. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.